Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Connection Point. Uh, Hope you're doing okay. Glad that you're here with us. Uh, Especially glad for just this time that we've got to worship God, to let him uh, encourage us and strengthen us. And then to be able to do it together is huge. And together means uh, those of you here in Brownsburg, those of you part of that Avon family there, we love you, as well as those of you joining online. We're all in this together and super thankful to to be able to spend this time. Uh, We've been spending the summer uh, talking about experiencing God and In particular, we're talking about what it means to just kind of get better at uh, knowing the will of God and then doing the will of God. He has a will. If you haven't been around for the journey so far, I can catch you up super quick. Uh, he, He operates out of relationship. And he does have a will. He's got a general will and he's got a specific will. He's got a will for all of history. He's got a will for you. And it starts with relationship. He calls you into relationship with him, and then he invites you then to join him in his work. And he'll start to speak to you. He'll, he'll speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you in prayer. He'll speak to you uh, through circumstances. His Holy Spirit will kind of guide you and direct you about where he wants you to go. He'll say, hey, I'm at work over here, so just come join me where I'm already at work. That's his will for me and you. Once we find out that will, then we've gotta make some adjustments. There's some changes, inevitably, that we've gotta make in our life in order to join God in what he's doing. And uh, once we figure out those adjustments that need to be made, there's oftentimes like a crisis of faith, the crisis of belief where we wrestle with do I really wanna make those adjustments? Do I really wanna have to change in order to join God in what he's doing? We wrestle through that and then it comes down to what we're gonna talk about today and that is obedience. I'll give you about 30 seconds if you wanna run out the door or shut off the computer right now. We're gonna talk really though about the joy of obedience. Uh, This is kind of the final step for us in Uh, experiencing God, it's obeying him. And we've been talking about it in terms of this, the the hula hoop represents inside here the the general will of God. What's also inside here is where we best experience God, when we are doing his will, we're partnering with him in his will. Now we're reminding ourselves when we gather that that God is Lord over, he's sovereign over everything that's outside of here, but where we best experience him is inside here. And and obedience really is the, the struggle or the process whereby we stay inside the hoop. That's obedience. 
Easier said than done, depending on what the thing is that you're struggling to obey. Maybe it's particular temptation or struggle that you face. Maybe the obedience is that he's calling you onto something or into something that's a new venture or it's gonna require some adjustments and change for your family. It's not particularly a sin issue. It's a uh, new life direction. It's something that he's, he's calling you up and into. But regardless, obedience is that kind of struggle to say, no, I'm gonna stay inside the hoop. I'm gonna stay inside your will for me. What I've come to kind of discover is that obedience is really an issue of the heart. For me, I've noticed when I'm struggling to obey, it's usually evidence that my heart has started to drift from the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? You think in general with obedience, uh, when you have to obey your parents or you have to obey an authority, or you obey people in your life. It's so much easier, isn't it, to obey someone that you love? It's easier for me to obey someone that I love and who I know loves me back. And so it is with the Lord. I know he loves me, and therefore then I want to obey him because I love him, and then I know he loves me, so it's easier to uh, obey him when I'm walking with him. But when I'm struggling to obey, it's usually evidence that I'm struggling in my heart, in my love relationship with him. Obedience is isn't so much a compliance to a whole bunch of rules and regulations. That's what the enemy would have you believe. That all obedience is, is obeying the rules. But I'll tell you this, obedience without love is just legalism. And if you're not real familiar, legalism is just this idea that says, if I obey all the rules, then I'll earn God's love. If I obey all the rules, if I do all the right stuff and don't do all the wrong stuff, then I deserve to be in heaven. Then I've earned it. Well, then who is the merit on in that scenario? What's on you? And it's on your performance. It's not on God's. But the beauty is, is that God loves you. He's been loving you even before you were obedient. And even in the midst of our disobedience, he continues to love us. We just need to set that as a baseline. Because when we talk about obedience, the enemy's going to want to get in here. From God's perspective, obedience is the invitation to stay inside his will, partner with him. The enemy's gonna say the exact opposite. That, that there, when you're inside the hoop, the enemy says, that's restrictive. The enemy says, that's unfun. The enemy says, it's unfair to have to do what someone else is telling. If you really want to experience love, if you really want to experience joy in your life, then get outside the hoop. Don't listen to God. That's, that's what the enemy says. 
And he's gonna whisper that over and over and over to us. But for me, what I'm trying to allow the Lord to do with regard to obedience in my life is just allow him to develop this trust that to obey him is also to have a distinct experience of his love and his joy. To obey is to love him. Here's two questions that I'm, I'm putting before myself pretty often. Here's the two questions. Do I love God? And am I obeying God? Now the crazy part is, those two questions are essentially the same question from the Bible's perspective. The word of God teaches us that we express our love to God in our obedience to him and his commandments. And so it's funny because I put those two questions before myself and the first one, do I love God? I'm usually with a really quick, you bet, of course. And then if you follow it with the question, are you obeying God? I go, ooh, uh, sometimes on a good day. Now here's where the enemy will get in and say, okay, well, if you're not obeying God, then not so much you probably don't love God, but God doesn't love you if you're not obeying him. Well, you gotta hang in there for a second. What, what I would like to drill into my heart, maybe a little bit of your heart and mind for the next uh, 20 minutes or so is this. There is an incredibly powerful and important link between obedience and joy and love. I would love that to be something that even in the next 20, 30 minutes that the Lord recalibrates all of our hearts and all of our minds to see, remember, really trust that there is a powerful link between obedience and joy and love. In other words, to obey is where you're gonna best experience his joy, and his love, rather than to obey is, ugh. to obey is restrictive. To obey is, oh, just an opportunity for me to fail again. A lot of us, when we hear obedience or obey, it's like training, it's like discipline. There's a lot of unpleasantness, right? linked to that word, obey or obedience. But what if we allow God to do his work, which is right here from the words of Jesus that we're gonna look at, that to obey is joy. To obey is to experience his love. Let's see if the Lord can do that in our time here. If you got your Bible, go to John chapter 15 about three quarters, a little more of a way through your Bible if you're not real familiar, John chapter 15, quicker to go to the back of your Bible, work back to the left, you'll hit the book of John, go to chapter 15. This takes place in what's called the, the upper room discourse. This is on the eve before Jesus is gonna be crucified. This is crunch time for Jesus. 
And now he's gathered his closest friends and disciples in an upper room. He's washed their feet. They're gonna take communion together. He's sharing some very important, powerful words right at crunch time, right as things are starting to wrap up his earthly ministry here. It's just about the climax. And so these are powerful, important words that he's speaking. And he's given them a lot of imagery and a lot of pictures and a lot of instruction. And then he gets to verse nine of chapter 15 and he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. He, he sets it off right at the bat with, hey, I'm being obedient too. And I'm modeling something for you too. See, what the Father has done to the Son, the Son has done to you and then he's gonna call me and you, his disciples, to do to others what the Father did to the Son, the Son did to us, now we do to other people. This is the mission, this is the gospel, this is the plan. And what's it rooted in? What's it anchored in? What's the foundation of the whole stinking plan? Love. The Father loved the Son so much and the son knew it so much. During his earthly ministry, the son was overwhelmed with the love of the father to the point that he knew that he could obey, that he should obey. And then he calls me and you in a foundation of love, out of our love relationship. He says, please just stay in my love. Trust me in my love. Remain in my love. This is what I, I want for you, is to you to, to operate out of love, constantly in a foundation of love. Not legalism, not even making obedience the primary goal, but love the primary goal. When you're rooted in love and anchored in love and saturated in love, then the obedience will naturally come. The trust that he's got your best interest at heart will naturally come. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? I mean, truly, we sing it, we talk about it. Many of you put your faith and trust in him with an understanding of his love, but man, the enemy guns at me and you to try to disrupt that love foundation, doesn't he? And he tries to predicate the amount of love that God has for you on your obedience or your disobedience. That somehow, some way, God's love is gonna run out for you. The enemy's gunning constantly to erode this foundation of love. Jesus prayed something powerful. Just a couple chapters later, if you read John chapter 17, Jesus prays to the Father, and it's kind of instructive what he prays. And he's praying for me and you. He's praying for his disciples then and there, and then he prays for all of those who would believe someday, me and you, in the truth of the gospel. And in John chapter 17, 
He, he says this, he prays this, righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you sent me. And then listen, he says this, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order, listen, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So again, the love that he's received from the Father is so overwhelming to him, he wants to pass it on to us, knowing it'll be overwhelming, it should be to us as well. It echoes what he says in Ephesians chapter two, the initiative that God takes in loving us. God loves you so much, just as you are, and, and, and he's not loving you because of something other than the fact that he made you. You didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, but he initiated the love. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, it says, uh, but because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by your faithful obedience to the law that you have been saved. No! No, it's by grace from a God that initiated love when we didn't deserve it. It's the echo of the famous verse, Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God demonstrated his love toward us in this, colon, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't have a God thought going through our brains, our hearts had drifted. We were not obeying anyone or anything, and he still loved us. I know it's not rocket science, but I'm so fired up on this because if we miss this, we will not get obedience. If we miss his love, we won't get it his initiative of love, and his supply of love. I mean, his supply is, we can't even measure it. There is no end to his love. You think about it, like when I was growing up, my, my mom would always say this, um, Ronnie, I love you more than all the grains of sand on all the beaches on all the planet. I love you more than that. I loved that. And then she'd say, uh, I love you more than all the feathers on all the birds in all the countries in the entire, I love you more than that. And she'd go on and on and the analogies get more and more ridiculous. <laughs> and, and, and you think about that. You think about it like all the water on planet Earth. Some of you, what you need to be reminded of or experience maybe for the first time is the absolute reservoir, this is a reservoir, of, of God's love for you. He, he's got a reservoir full of his love for you. Reservoirs can hold a tremendous amount of water, and God's love for you is bigger than the reservoir. Some of you don't care about a reservoir. You, you need a river, okay? There's a tremendous river of the love of God that he's inviting you to jump into his stream, his current, and float tube the river of his love for all of eternity. 
He's going to take you. It's going to take you exactly where it needs to go. Some of you go, I don't care about rivers. You need the waterfall. You need to stand under the waterfall, the, the, the refreshing, maybe powerful weight of the love of Almighty God. The adventurous types that you've crawled up behind the waterfall and, and been sheltered by the towering water of a waterfall. Some of you need to be sheltered by the towering waterfall of God's love. Whatever earthly analogy, it's gonna fail us. You think about just how much water in general there is on planet Earth. There's none if you live in Arizona, but you live here in the Midwest, plenty. I, I discovered that, that there's water even out in the universe. Several years ago, um, astronomers found, and then documented this on the NASA website, that there's a quasar. A quasar is this artist's rendering here behind me. A quasar is basically a feeding black hole. And astronomers discovered this one that is 12 billion light years away from Earth. And it is surrounded with, guess what? Water. More specifically, water vapor. But the amount of water that is surrounding this quasar 12 billion light years away from me and you represents 140 trillion times the amount of water that's on planet Earth. Now, it just doesn't surprise me that, that God who fashioned the Earth and put a tremendous amount of water, immeasurable amount on this planet also has 140 trillion times that stored around some quasar, which we hardly even know what that is, 12 billion light years away from here. God who created the universe and the water in it, his love exceeds all of that in the entire universe. For you, God is love. And he wants to saturate us in that love. And when we're saturated in it, when our hearts fully receive it, the obedience then just kind of happens. It happens easier when we remain in that love. Verse 10, Jesus says, if you keep my commands, obedience, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, listen, so that your joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My joy, Jesus says, might be in you and your joy might be complete. So there it is, the, the link between obedience and love and joy, right there, intertwined. I think this is kind of fascinating that Jesus is talking about joy on the eve of the crucifixion. He's gonna go out shortly and sweat blood, stressed out over knowing what's going to come. He knows what's coming with the cross. And he prays those powerful words, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I gotta get through this. Scripture says that, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Huh? See, obedience and joy. 
there's a link. See, to, see, to obey is just to stay inside the hoop. To obey is to remain here. To disobey is to remove ourselves from his will, from his word, from his purposes for us. That's to disobey. But hang on a second. So you start to think it through and you go, okay, wait. So when I disobey, does God love me less? No. When I disobey, do I experience less of God's love and his joy? Yeah, probably. Probably. Because see, all the stuff outside the hoop, he's trying to protect us from. And us in our own minds, in our own hearts, in our own ways, we're like, you know what? I don't really trust that the love and the joy that God has for me is good. I think the love and joy is really outside. I'll go find my own love. I'll go find my own joy. We've all done that, right? Anybody else in here ever gone outside the hoop to find love and joy? Okay, three of you. Thank you very much. And so... I'll just testify then, I have spent and lost many, many weeks, many, many seasons to chasing joy and love as the world gives or as people give to find it lacking. Now the beauty is he doesn't love me less when I disobey. Praise be to God for that. His grace is enough, but I sure experience a lot less when I'm disobeying. And see, that's the thing. God just doesn't want us to miss out. Miss out on his love, miss out on his joy. He doesn't want you to miss out. Speaking of joy, you guys, so many of you know that a couple of months ago, a precious person here in the church gifted me with a ride in one of those two-seater Indy cars around the motor speedway. And um, this last Monday, I got to go do it. And you talk about joy. <laughs> For this kid that's loved Indy cars and racing since I was like four years old, to actually sit in one and go around the track. We went on the road course part of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the joy, oh my goodness. I took my buddy Eric that's here on the video team and he took a little video so I could share it with you. Take a look. We're going for the two-seater Indy car ride at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, my first time ever riding single file behind an actual driver. Growing up in Long Beach, uh, started going to the race there, the Grand Prix, when I was just a little kid. So I'm 49 and I've been to, I don't know, probably 30, 35 races. So, but never been in. Not if I can even put that into words. Um, so fast and uh, the acceleration and the, like your neck just goes crazy but on the back 
we got following another car, so it felt like we were actually racing. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. It, it, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, you. I can applaud. You can applaud that if you want to. You're just jealous. That's okay. Um, some of you would never set foot in one of those, and I totally get it. But for me, that was so much fun. You know, uh, the gentleman that gifted me that, he sent me this article too that was. Uh, talking about these rides, and I wanted to learn what I was getting into, because for all the watching, it's a whole different thing once you sit in it. And I'd never been 180 miles an hour, uh, one inch off the ground before, and uh, so I was both excited and a little bit concerned. And when I read the article, it said, a number of professional drivers have taken these two-seat rides and sat in the back seat, and they were terrified. And then they asked them, why were you terrified? And they said, because we're not in control. And that kind of makes sense. And I think it's the same with me and you. You know, I, I would have missed out on a very earthly, surfacey, joyful experience. I would have missed out if I'd been unwilling to get in the car. I also would have missed out if I had been unwilling to let him drive. And I wonder how much of us, many of us, in our relationship with the Lord, just miss out because we're just kind of unwilling to get in his love, get in his will, get in his purposes, say yes. And I wonder if we're unwilling to say yes because we don't really want to let him drive. We still want to be in control. And if that's you, then you're just going to be wrestling for a long time with experiencing God the way that he would hope that you'd experience him. He's got so much of his love and so much of his joy for you that is unending, but you maybe not have experienced yet because you've not obeyed. And for some of you, I'm not sure what the obedience step is. Maybe some of you, the obedience step is to by God's grace and the help of some good, trusted friends, say no to some areas of temptation or addiction or habits that have become destructive. Maybe it's a step of obedience to say, I'm going to venture out to have a conversation that I know I need to have. Maybe it's a move that you need to make. Maybe it's the obedience of just saying, yes, I'm going to trust you, Lord, with my life. Maybe you've never done that. And you've never really received and experienced the love that he has for you. And so you say, yes, Lord, I want to receive that love. You, you turn from your sin and you turn to face his love. This Jesus that loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Many of you that's taken that step, but you have not yet been baptized. Maybe it's a step of obedience to be baptized the way he's called us to be baptized in his word. We're having baptisms in just a couple of weeks, uh, middle of August, and love to have you be a part of that if you haven't taken that step of obedience. But whatever it is, God's going to meet you there. Now, what blows my mind as we wrap this up are the final words of Jesus in this particular passage, because take a look, out of all the things that Jesus could have called me and you to obey, 
after laying the groundwork for it, he's been having the conversation. Now he's going to call them to obey something specific. And out of all the things that he could have called them to obey, called them to obey of his will, this is what he calls them to. Verse 12, he says, guys, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And so the bread of that sandwich of those particular verses, the bread on the top and the bread at the bottom of that passage is love. This is a love sandwich. And he says, love each other. And then it ends with love each other. And he says, I've revealed this to you because you're my friends. You're not just servants, you're my friends. You know, God is gonna reveal his will to you and it'll be clear enough for you to follow. But he reveals often just enough of his will, but not the full details of his will, so that you have to keep walking with him, keep your ear tuned to his voice, so that he can continue to guide you on the way. And so love each other. That's his will for me and you. Love each other. As the Father loved the Son, the Son loved us, and now he's calling us to go and do likewise. You want to know God's will for you, the same love that saturated you? Go saturate the world with it. That, that's the plan. That's his will. Can I do that? When I'm saturated by his love, I can well, what about all my dreams and all my passions and all my interests? And Okay, well, that's great. As long as it's done in love, that's his will for you. If you've received it, then wherever you are, whatever you're doing, use it as a way to love people the way that you have been loved by God and you'll be doing his will. How do we love people? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a great roadmap for love. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's what love looks like. And so if you just cover whatever behavior, whatever actions, whatever dreams, 
you've got. Cover them in love. And you'll be obeying God. You'll be doing his will. This is what love looks like. I don't, I don't care what you're doing. Just be patient as you do it. I don't care what you're doing. Just be kind as you're doing it. I don't care what you're doing. Just don't be envious of other people while you're doing it. I don't care what you're doing. Just don't be boastful. Don't be proud. I don't care what you're doing. Just don't dishonor people anymore. I don't care what you're doing. Just don't be self-seeking. I don't care what you're doing. Just don't be easily angered like you have been in the past. I don't care what you're doing. Just don't keep a record anymore of people's wrongs. I don't care what you're doing. Just don't delight in evil. I don't care what you're doing. Just rejoice with the truth. I don't care what you're doing. Just protect always. Just trust always. Just hope always care what you're doing. Just persevere in all this always. I don't care what you're doing. Just give yourself away. This is what love looks like. And when we have done whatever it is that we're doing in love that looks like this, then we will experience his love. We will experience all of this love. We will experience all of this sort of joy, his patience, his kindness for us. And we will also be giving it away at the same time. That's why obedience matters. It's the purpose and plan of God to woo the world to himself with love. In the name of an almighty God, let's do it. And so gracious heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you that you want us to have an experience of your love and your joy that's beyond comprehension and beyond measure. I pray that you'd pour it out, that it would be as if we're in the river next to the reservoir, standing under the waterfall, feeling the scope of the quasar of your love for us. Now the overflow of that, we would wanna obey you. When you call us up and into and onto and you call us away from stuff, we just say, yeah, Lord, because that's where I really experience love. That's where I really experience joy. It's complete when I'm obeying you. Keep the enemy far from us in this journey. And of all the particulars of stuff that we're weighing and processing, Lord, give us real insight in how to use whatever it is that you're calling us to, to be a place where we can love people the way that you have loved us. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' precious name we pray.
Amen. Amen. Love you. Yeah. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.